0: and welcome back to the T-Balance podcast. I'm Tori, holistic health and life coach and founder of T-Balance, my coaching practice that helps people become the best versions of themselves by digging deep into every aspect of life. And this is my podcast where I chat to many incredible souls about all things balance, wellness, nutrition, information, sex, and much more. Last week, I spoke to psychotherapist William Pullen. William believes that change comes about by clearing a path to where we want to be, not by forcing our way through to it. And he has formed his own theory called dynamic running therapy. Many of you have messaged since listening to the episode saying how much this resonated with you and how you have had many non-regrettable runs this week, which I am very happy to hear. I'm so excited about today's podcast because we're talking about sex, and I haven't yet done that on any of my T-Balance channels. The wonderful Kate Moyle is here with me, and Kate is a CORST accredited psychosexual and relationship therapist. She works empathetically with people to recognise their personal understanding of their sexuality and sexual health, with the view that issues have roots in psychology, emotion, the physical body, and a person's history and culture. Ultimately, her aim is to help people get to a place of sexual health, happiness and well-being. And today we are talking about sex in this modern day, how to break down sexual fears and the importance of communication. Let's get to it and I hope you enjoy the episode. Oh my gosh, Kate, there is so much that I want to chat to you about. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm so well, thank you. Very happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. It's Exciting, So exciting. So this is the first time that I have actually spoken about sex at all with T-Balance. Mm-hmm. And I'm beyond excited. Can't wait for you to enlighten us with everything. And I'm not even sure why it hasn't been something that I've discussed before, but perhaps that'll be something that we can yeah,
1: discuss. Definitely. definitely. Um,
0: anyway, so introduce us to you and how you got into being a psychosexual therapist.
1: Yeah, so I suppose the, the first thing to say is that a psychosexual therapist is a talking therapist who specializes in difficulties with sex and sexuality um, I'm also a relationship therapist so I work with couples but for me I try not to separate the kind of sexual and relationship side of things which is why I trained independently mm. in both and that means that I can kind of merge them together um completely kind of obviously understanding the impact of sex on relationships and relationships on sex um yeah. and so my background was in psychology so I've to be honest, always thought I would end up in some kind of psychology career. I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that I've become a therapist. Um, I was always the person, kind of growing up and at school, <laughs> was listening to everyone else and helping everyone else and talking it out. Um, so really, I think it's always kind of been a part of me. Um, and then I trained initially as a psychosexual therapist and then as a relationship therapist, and I've been practicing in london ever since so since 2013 amazing yeah
0: wow what a journey it's been for
1: you it's been amazing you know personally and professionally yeah um i am lucky enough to say i really think i have the best job in the world it's incredible to work face to face you know in person with people and to help them to create change in their sex lives and that's really what it's all about
0: Mm, totally oh my gosh so cool (laughs) So we're going
1: to kick off with the question of, is there such a thing as a healthy sex life? There absolutely is such a thing as a healthy sex life, but the thing that it isn't is a one-size-fits-all approach to sex. And I think that all of the advice that people look for and read um, and kind of want to know the answer to are, how do I get a healthy sex life? Now, for me, that comes in the, the, you know, individual shape of that person and what the most important thing for me about a healthy sex life is is that you shouldn't be having should sex. So mm-hmm. it's all about having the sex that you want to have, enjoying what you're doing, that all good sex starts with enthusiastic consent and that it should be pleasurable and fun. And really that kind of creates the model of a healthy sex life. And I think the thing is is that too many people feel actually they don't have the correct education about sex that they don't know their bodies well enough that sex and shame and embarrassment are intrinsically linked that they have had negative sexual relationships with other people and that they don't know how to change that or they get stuck in something that they don't know how to change and how to create a difference with.
0: Mm, Absolutely and it's really interesting what you say about you know, people who may have had bad experiences or you know, negative experiences mm. with sex and how that then from one relationship perhaps moves into another relationship. And do you have any sort of tips for people who perhaps have had a bad experience in one relationship and perhaps then are blocked in ways mm. going
1: forward? Yeah, and I think the first thing to think about is what about that Experience or collection of experiences or relationships, don't you want to carry forward? So, what is it? You're working about your yeses and your noes. Now, obviously, I'm going to be an advocate of therapy and going to kind of work this through with someone who is able to help you and knows what they're talking about and is able to kind of go into that space with you. Um, But some people might not want to go to therapy, they might think that they just need to kind of work some stuff out for themselves. So, I think working out a what is sexually pleasurable and enjoyable for you, what you don't like, what might, for example, trigger you or what you don't want to repeat. And also understanding, is it the dynamics of the relationship or is it actually something physically that's going on with sex? Mm -hmm. And if it is something to do with the physical act of sex, for example, not enjoying sex, establishing a good relationship between yourself and your own body is a really important place to start. So it's all part of that kind of self-education side of things. Mm -hmm. And the other part of it is exploring sex and what it means to you now for me sex isn't just intercourse it is this very kind of circular rounded play focused kind of meaningful not just the what of you're doing but why you're doing it model and I think that quite often we can kind of think that sex means something to us and actually we find out it's something completely different and I Mm -hmm. think that exploring that and there are so many great podcasts and books and articles and TED talks around that going and listening to what everyone else is saying about sex can be hugely enlightening.
0: Mm. Because I think that, you know, even though there are so many outlets of things which we can go to to find information on sex, it's still a kind of not spoken about in so many ways, Mm. topic. Well, certainly I know that, you know, I'm just trying to think about why isn't it something that I have spoken about when I'm taking a really holistic approach to helping people and bettering their lives. Like, you know, I look at relationships, but predominantly one's relationship with themselves, and I don't cover sex in that. Your career, your purpose, your spirituality, your food and your exercise, but why isn't sex the Mm. sixth one? Why isn't sex? Yeah, exactly. And it's just, I mean, I'm... I'm not not sort of educated and trained in it like you but yeah I'm why aren't I like why wasn't it part of my training yeah um so yeah it's really interesting and I think that for sure there is definitely some sort of not um stigma around talking about sex but people definitely like some people are really really open and that's great but some people really really struggle to talk about sex and articulate what's going on and actually you know this leads me quite nicely onto communication because I know that that's such a huge thing yeah within a relationship and how do you communicate like let's say for example someone's been in a relationship where there haven't been there hasn't been a great sort of sexual experience and then going into another relationship And actually, as you mentioned, it's about sort of figuring out what does and doesn't work for you. But how do you then communicate that with someone else, Mm. you know, and how do you communicate full stop if,
1: yeah, they're not getting out of it what they want? I think it's really, I think the communication point is massive because the one thing that I feel like I go back to time and time again, and I think, um, you know, we were talking about how Uh, we did a, as part of a BBC series called Sex on the Couch where we actually did couples and psychosexual therapy on TV with real couples and the thing that we came back to time and time again and you kind of end up sounding a bit like a broken record is that it is all about communication and it's about voicing and feeling safe to voice and the way that you phrase it and the way that you approach it and it's the one thing that I think that I want to say the one thing I think sex is the one thing that we expect to be an expert and we are expected to be an expert in without any teaching yeah without any lessons without the Q&A without the kind of practice without the learning and experience without the open discussion without the exploration and that creates this taboo around the subject this silence that silence and you know shame thrives in silence and So then actually the people we honestly find it hardest to talk to about sex most of the time is the person we're actually having sex with. Mm. And again, that's because we're intimately connected with them a lot of the time. And so the fear of losing them is high or the risk feels high. And really what we should be able to say is, you know, I'm really like you. I feel really good you know always start with a positive it's one of the pieces of advice I always give Um, I'm really enjoying what we're doing but can we change this slightly or it felt really good when you did that could we do more of it Mm. Um, actually when we tried that position the other night it didn't feel that good for me afterwards or Actually, i prefer us if we tried something else. Now, if we're leading with a positive, what we're doing is we are creating a more open dialogue. If we start with a criticism or a negative, when you did X, it made me feel, let's use the word bad here, insert word, that person is going to feel criticised. Criticism immediately brings up either defensiveness or attacks. And so we need to be considerate about how we are approaching. None of us like to feel criticised. We don't like to feel belittled. We don't like to be told we're not good at things. Mm. And especially when it's in that... kind of very um, friction-based, kind of uncertain, insecure space. And when I say insecure, that we just... A lot of us don't feel secure about kind of being in that sexual space and just being open to seeing where it goes. Mm
0: -hmm. Totally. And
1: actually, you're so right
0: about really, really focusing on the positive before going to the negative, because... When people get their defenses up in mm-hmm. any situation, actually, this is for communication, full stop. Yeah. But if people get their defenses up, and then their sex drive, I imagine, is also going to plummet as well. Because when you get into a state of sort of stress, mm. is that right? When cortisol is released, your yeah. sex drive is kind of minimized.
1: And the opposite. So, what we see is that um, sex can have stress relieving effects. Um, Use of neurochemicals okay. and hormones, and so that they can actually um, impact things like a lower blood pressure and lower stress hormones, so cortisol. Thing well. okay. um, we see that things like touch, so oxytocin, the um, kind of neurochemical that is critical in bonding so um things like breastfeeding orgasm skin to skin hugging why we talk about kind of mothers having their babies kind of put straight on their chest Mm. straight away um that huge rush of oxytocin that goes with that does play a critical component in adult bonding as well and we know that kind of having a hug or feeling physically close to someone is soothing is connecting Mm. absolutely that's so interesting i honestly find it fascinating so so fascinating i think i also wanted to like tap on the point that you said earlier like why you know why sex kind of left off the curriculum in you know coaching trainings or therapy trainings you know why is it something that you find yourself not talking about with your clients and i think um one of the things that we need to start addressing is that sexual well-being is a part of holistic well-being that it is there, we, it's not a separate entity sex isn't this kind of separate part of ourselves that we sometimes tap into, it is an integral part of being human and that is, even if we are someone for example who identifies as asexual and sexuality is not a part of our lives but in a way because we're defining it that way that definition is acknowledging that in some way there is some part of sexuality present even if it's not something that we are kind of acting on yeah. um, and that well-being you know and sexual well-being is critical to holistic health and I massively see that as a therapist because mostly I'm dealing with people that are really struggling with sex and I see the impact on self-esteem on relationships not just with romantic or couple or sexual partners but with friends with colleagues um, lack of confidence uh, physical health changes um, self- image body image and the reverse can also be true mm-hmm. and I'm um, I think Boots have just done a big campaign actually where they have just released a range of sexual well-being products in store and online um, I've been launching that with them and basically the, the point being that things like sex toys belong on the shelves alongside other well-being products that they are pleasure products and that pleasure is a part of that our body is designed to experience and that it shouldn't be kind of hidden away anymore or something Mm. that you can only buy from certain stores, that it's in line with other aspects of well-being rather than kind of hidden behind.
0: It's so interesting. And can we just go back to the whole thing of um, education? So obviously education for coaches and things, but education in the school system or where do you think the education needs to come from? Does it need to be from parents to children or schools or does it need to be part of the um I I don't even remember what we were taught about sex at school. Like I I honestly don't <laughs> I think we watched a video
1: once or something. Well no like, and it was probably a childbirth video which Which obviously terrifies you. It terrifies everyone. <laughs> Contraception um, more than anything yeah, else. exactly. <laughs> um no, I think um so sex education needs to come from everyone. Um we've seen a kind of change in the sex education laws, which means we are going for a more inclusive um relationships and sex education model from next year which is fantastic finally Um, but you know I think a lot of us particularly um, of a certain age were taught sex education uh, which was basically reproduction education from a teacher that felt really uncomfortable to be there someone that we would see on a regular basis and so if that teacher felt really uncomfortable we were going to feel uncomfortable you kind of connect those feelings and that's not that teacher's fault it's because they probably just happened to be the one that kind of got lumbered with it that year and we don't want to ask the questions because if we don't feel the space is safe and we're in front of say friends or we're worried that people might laugh at us that kind of creates that tension around it now for me um, sex education should come from everyone it can come from grandparents it can come from parents it can come from schools it can come from Older siblings, pupils, I think that it's about an open dialogue. And the thing that I say a lot, um, I'm a parent myself, so I can completely understand this, is that it is not just one birds and the bees conversation, it is hundreds of those conversations. Yeah. It is sex being allowed to be a part of the conversation, it is about it just kind of being there. Because if we create an open space for our children to ask us then even if we say, oh, I actually don't know the answer, but can I come back to you? Or, okay, well, what is it that is interested you about that? Or why is it that you're worrying about that? Or where did you hear that? Or then what we're doing is we're saying, you can come to me to have that question answered, not I'm too embarrassed to ask mum, so I'm going to go to Dr. Google, and Dr. Google is going to lead me to potentially, A, not correct information, but, you know, models of sex that aren't necessarily representative of Damn, real life hole. sex, yeah exactly <laughs>
0: yeah, oh my gosh, yeah you're so right but so, it's I guess it is quite a tricky one though because I was just thinking about the people that were teaching us about sex at school they were also probably taught about it from people that were also embarrassed, or even more embarrassed yeah, because of they were the generation before, mm-hmm. so there is this massive thing isn't there which is sort of
1: coming, like filtering, filtering down yeah absolutely and you know, it's this is the thing that it is no one's fault. Um, yeah, but yeah. It kind of all comes back to, like, Victorian Britain. It's just passed down and passed down and passed yeah. down. And, you know, the reality being that the thing that has transformed life is the internet, is technology, you know, mm. the, the iPhone being 10, 11 years old, accessibility to this information. And we are not then in control of what young people can access. And yeah. so we have to in some way take some control over that and if you're not prepared to then your children will go elsewhere Mm -hmm. you know children are curious and as soon Mm -hmm. as someone says do you know what sex is they want to know the answer and they don't want to be like no because that's embarrassing you know children you if you ever watch kids kind of having those conversations everybody likes to pretend that they know everything obviously even though they can't and I think that Giving children the right information, you know, that sex starts with enthusiastic consent, that there are contraception options available, that there is a legal age at which it should be happening, that everyone should be enthusiastically involved and can change their mind at any mm. point, that it should be fun. You know, all of these points are really critical mm. and that it's about you know we're back to that word holistic it's mm-hmm. about a holistic education about sex and relationships and i think actually
0: just something that i've um picked up from what you were saying there is about the legal age and i think that um having laws around sex that is such a natural process the whole having a law around it and then
1: breaking the law if you're having sex outside of it what do you think about that I think you know the law is there for a reason because it's the it's about the decision making process mm. but I think that children need to be informed and also we see a huge problem at the moment with for example you know young people below the age of consent exchanging things like images and sexting and without knowing that they're doing something mm. which is illegal and they should be told about that they should understand what they're doing and because you know, we see that things like revenge porn laws are now coming up or yeah. that people can be, you know, prosecuted for these kind of things. And actually, a lot of the time they're just going into it without the education and without knowing necessarily mm. what they're doing or, you know, they know why they're doing it. But without realising that actually what they can be doing is criminally offensive.
0: Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah, you're so right. The education for teenagers is just imperative. Imperative,
1: imperative. but also for parents, you know, because... Mm. Sex is a really tricky topic, and we all have our own sexual experiences, both good, bad, mm. fun, awkward, average, mm. exciting, mind-blowing, you know, the educational part is a different side of it, but I, there are amazing charities like Brook that have great information, and um, there's one called Bish Sex Ed, um, which has got great resources for people age 14 plus, But you know, it's it's not just for kids. It's about helping parents to have those conversations as well. And it it's tricky. It's mm. tricky. It's it's not. It's given special treatment, and that special treatment actually is quite damaging.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: So interestingly,
0: I actually read in
1: the summer um, on.
0: Do you know Mel Wells? No. on her, she's amazing, you'll have to follow her we'll mm. find her afterwards, but I wrote on her Instagram um, back in the summer that Gen Z are having less in-person sex than ever before, but that the online sexual stimulation is at the highest it's ever been, yeah. thanks to porn booty pics and Snapchat etc and that is where it's literally like oh my gosh,
1: people are getting it so wrong in so many ways well I just think actually, you know, and we're not going to change the world, we're not going to get rid of technology mm. we have to adapt to We have to adapt to understand that technology is here to stay and maybe it will change the way that people have sex. Um, You know, we talk about teledildonics. So, for example, sex toys, which can be um, connected by technology, remote-controlled. So one partner could have a device in Australia, the other one could have a device in London. Mm -hmm. And, for example, they could have sex with each other through these devices and they are moving at the same time. And, you know, we see this whole future of... um, VR pornography, virtual reality pornography and things, you know, it's really the world is changing, not necessarily for the worse. obviously there are going to be pros and cons of everything, but I think the thing that we need to realise is that we can't just go against it but if we are going to kind of go into this space that we need to understand a bit better and we need to not just kind of shut it down mm-hmm. um, there are lots of reports, there was a big article by The Atlantic about you know, younger generations having less sex. And, again, the reality being that people need to leave their bedrooms less. They don't need to connect in person so much to get sexual satisfaction or pleasure. Um, but also within a relationship,
0: mm-hmm. you know, technology is killing the sex that you're having in a relationship or can be killing the sex that you're having in a relationship because perhaps people are going to bed with their phones. I think most people go to bed with yeah. their phones, yeah. <laughs> but literally, like, with them on, I am I actually have made such a pact to, when I get into bed, just put it on airplane mode, and, like, yeah. maybe I'll put it on Harry Potter before I actually go to sleep, but... <laughs> but, yeah. Stephen, by his voice, is so soothing. <laughs> <laughs> so soothing. Um, Tell everyone to listen to it.
1: But I think that, um, you know, there was a study done years ago, and I keep finding myself talking about the study at the moment, so I must find out who it was by, but that said that if you had a TV screen in your bedroom that you were... um, People who had TVs in their bedroom reporting having less sex. Now, the reality is most of us have a minimum of basically two TV screens in their rooms with them when they go to bed. And we are kind of touching our phones kind of first and last thing, even if we're in bed with someone else, and that's quite sad. And so what we need to do is make rules and manage... Our relationships with our tech mm. and impact and think about because it is so automatic that we have five minutes, we pick up our phone, we are getting into bed, we just check before we get into bed, we set our alarms, our alarms are on our phone. You know, our phone is the gateway to everything. Everything. And it's quite invisible how in the way it's got. Yeah, you're so right, it's become the norm, hasn't it? Mm. How, like, how, if you lost your phone for a day, it would make you quite stressed.
0: Yeah. I mean, I have to say, I quite like it if I lose my phone for a bit. <laughs> but yes, I know but what you mean. In Ultimately, general, like my phone has my my calendar, my parking, my this, my that, whatever it might be, as well as my communication mm-hmm. with everyone. So, yeah, it's got loads of things on. Love how parking comes right up there. <laughs> <laughs> Must haves on my phone. At <laughs> like the top of your list. Okay, so I've got a few questions mm-hmm. from our lovely listeners, and the first one is is I am wanting more sex than my boyfriend. Is that normal? It's
1: completely couple dependent. You know, sex drives are libido, are impacted by everything else that we've got going on in life. You know, they are in the context of us as a person. So if we're really stressed, some people might kind of try and have stress relief by having sex. Others might find that their sex drive is completely plummeted. That we are going through something where we've had, for example, a bereavement and so we're feeling a loss and so there is an impact on that that we are really preoccupied that we have young kids that we have been unwell that we're in pain that I think also this traditional idea of kind of men always wanting more sex than women you know I see a lot of couples where that's the other way around and I think the problem is the word normal yeah you're so right and actually so many of these questions are is it normal yeah if and actually there's no normal but i guess it's just lovely for people to have yeah an there, there is no normal i think you know we go back to the word that we started with on this podcast which was healthy and i think i prefer that now if you feel that typically in couples what can happen is that one partner tends to kind of be the initiator and the other the responder mm. particularly when it comes to sex and if you feel that that balance is really struggling or you feel that's having an impact elsewhere then that's mm. something that you guys need to deal with or you feel that it's bringing things up for you because quite a lot of the diamond couples when we break down instead of making assumptions we communicate clearly so we kind of move from thinking to knowing then we work out that there's quite a lot going on underneath mm. that that might really clear things up
0: yeah totally so interesting and then the next one is, I don't want to use the word normal, but <laughs> is it normal that I want to have sex with someone when
1: I'm repulsed by them? Again, normal yeah. is tricky. You know, we could be simultaneously kind of like quite repulsed but also aroused by someone and I think the thing that I think when I hear that question is the opposite of love isn't hate, it's ambivalence. And, you know, repulse is quite a passionate word, it's quite a strong word, and there's quite a lot of feelings invoked with that. So I think it would be about wondering, you know, what's going on about that? What is it that kind of simultaneously, like, pushes me away and draws me towards that person? Mm. But I think that, you know, so often we're like, love and hate, and but those are both strong, passionate emotions. And it's and, such a fine line. Yeah, such yeah. a fine line. You know, they're completely kind of, you know, we can simultaneously, you know, love and Really despise a person in a moment and then kind of go back to loving them an hour later, Um, but ambivalence is that kind of neutral, not bothered. You know that is that is the opposite.
0: Mm, Absolutely, and then how linked is cystitis to sex?
1: So, what we see um, with people who are having cystitis is that quite often it's if they're having unprotected sex and they're not peeing afterwards, so for example that bacteria kind of goes back up into the bladder and that's where we can get bladder infections, Um, the the key piece of advice is to pee after you've had sex. Okay,
0: so interestingly because as a holistic health coach Mm. I have another alternative to this answer. And it's all about your relationships and actually being pissed off with the opposite sex and usually mm-hmm. love of a or partner. And I actually think that's really interesting if you think if not you, sorry, if one thinks back to their relationships or perhaps a time where they may have had cystitis or a or whatever. And actually think about what was going on in their relationship at the time or what was going on in their relationships maybe not even just their sexual relationships but their relationships with the opposite sex in general so yeah it's quite an interesting when you look back at it like that but also bacteria obviously can breed yeah of course hate or or upset or frustration you know things
1: um you know for women particularly we've got to think about kind of So the vagina is pH balanced. So, for example, things like contraceptives can change that um, pH balanced. You should make sure you never use any kind of scented body washes or anything like that. But in thinking about if you are out of balance or if your body is out of balance, that things like your vagina might be really impacted by that. Or if you are prone to cystitis and you keep guessing it, it might be worth working out what's going on. Mm -hmm. Or, for example, yeast infections or BV, bacterial vaginosis. So we see kind of these kind of conditions. But also the body-mind connect is really strong. And if you have, for example, I work with lots of women, particularly women, um, who have sexual pain conditions that are unexplained by physical symptoms but they are emotionally distressed. Now, this is a backwards and forwards relationship because there is an emotional impact of being in pain, but there is also a physical impact. But quite a lot of what we call so um, conditions like vulvodynia are unexplained by a physical cause that hasn't been an injury, but they are experiencing pain in their genitals and their labia, mm. in their vulva. And it's really important that we understand what is going on for these people and that we don't just ignore what they're struggling with Mm. because it is having a really negative impact on their lives and actually in understanding that better and that body mind connect better it might help to alleviate some of those symptoms Mm, totally so going back to what you were saying about mind body connection
0: can we talk about the clitoris and the female orgasm and how it's linked
1: to our minds yeah so first thing to say is that the clitoris is not just the kind of External kind of glands that we talk about. It is an entire kind of internal structure, and it's actually almost kind of wishbone-shaped. As strange as that sounds, so the clitoris is the only organ in the human body designed purely for pleasure. It has eight thousand nerve endings, and it is actually a really kind of not dissimilar to um, structure to a penis. So it actually kind of swells and it becomes aroused, and it becomes kind of erect. Um, but the part that is outside the body that we see and that most people kind of focus on is, the you know, the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. Um, and positions that stimulate the clitoris are tend to be more sexually pleasurable for mm. women. What are we talking? So either mutual masturbation or touching or oral sex, but also kind of lots of women find that they orgasm better, for example, if they're positioned on top of their partner, if they're having sex with a male partner, that is. Um, but really, it is about, again learning what works for you because everybody is different you know angles are slightly different obviously the vagina isn't just a kind of fixed space within our bodies in its natural resting state it's kind of like a flattened tube but it obviously is a potential space so it has the potential to kind of expand to accommodate whatever we're putting in there
0: Mm, absolutely and also another question that I had for you was about stress and sex I know we've briefly touched on this previously in the podcast but when people are really stressed, mm-hmm. when their lives perhaps are becoming, not unmanageable, but when they're... On overwhelming, really like, overwhelming. Overwhelming, yeah. exactly. It's natural for one's sex drive to plummet mm-hmm. or decrease. What do you think is the best piece of advice for people that are
1: stressed? I think what the best piece of advice I can give you is you have to make time for it. You have to... Carve out the space for it, you know. Schedule it. It sounds so boring, and what I don't mean is schedule what you're going to do in that time, but schedule the space. You know, make it an early night or as soon as you get home from work, kind of before you do anything else, or um, make some space for it. Kind of turn off your tech, create the dynamic. Book it in with your partner. Put it in the diary. You know, you'd book to go out to go out for dinner, to have a date night. You book in to see your friends. You call your mum. You checking on your sister like why don't we nurture that part of our relationship the way we do everything else Mm -hmm. and that's the thing um the thing is sex can always slip to the bottom of our priority list and what we need to do is to invest in making sure that it doesn't slip to the bottom we don't forget about it Mm -hmm. because also what happens so this is kind of more particular to people that are in relationships, is that the longer we then don't have sex for, the more of a problem it becomes. Because it's not just that we haven't had sex, but it's because it's been two months, and then it becomes three months, and then four months. And both partners are thinking, oh, this is now a bit tricky because I haven't done anything, they haven't done anything, should I do something? But they might not. Mm. And so actually they don't want to rock the boat. And so it can kind of continue to move forward. Mm. And actually what you both need is just to be like, right, we're going to commit to not necessarily having intercourse or a of sex, but some kind of physical intimacy. Mm-hmm.
0: Totally. It's really interesting because I was reading an article, I think it was on the BBC, the other day um, I think from 2018 all about stress and sex mm. and how actually women between the ages of 24 and 40 are claiming, well sorry, 40% of women between the ages of 24 and 40 are claiming that they only have sex once a month. And also 74% of our UK population in the last year have admitted to being so stressed that they're unable to cope. Mm. And so I was just wondering, like, I really, really think that there is such a huge link between, you know, you look at people in London or so many of my clients perhaps are stressed or people that I have in my life and I can just so see that stress is not only is it deteriorating our lives in perhaps one way, but it's also ruining one's sexual lives as well. Yeah,
1: and I think, you know, um, the thing is that, you know, nothing is safe from anxiety and stress. Like it leaks into the other part of our lives and our sexuality isn't, unfortunately, isn't kind of safe from that. Now, a lot of what I work out with people is, you know, how do you how do you kind of tune out to turn on? How do you turn off from everything else that's going on to turn on to sex? And what you have to work out is how you can help yourself to do that because if you're dealing with a really stressful work email and then you get into bed and... You know, you think about your winding down, you kind of wash your face, brush your teeth, get undressed, get into bed with your partner. And that whole process isn't that sexy. You're kind of getting ready for bed, you're resting, and you're still thinking about that email from your boss, and you're like, okay, yeah, well, I've got to do that tomorrow. And And suddenly, you know, you're in bed, and you think, oh, okay, and yeah, I was so comfy in here, and I'm just going to... And then it's (laughs) another night. And really, if we don't feel under pressure, you know, feeling under pressure to have sex is going to make us not want to have it. It doesn't do anything for anyone, and it's actually one of the biggest turn-offs that people have. So what you have to prioritise is connecting with your partner in a physical, intimate way. Absolutely. Gosh, it's literally, I could speak to you about this for days. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an interesting topic. Yeah, this is why I have the best job.
0: I know, you really do. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I really want to give our listeners some takeaways from this. So what would you say... Your best tips are for someone who perhaps is really struggling with their self confidence mm-hmm. or um, you know lacking in self esteem
1: in the bedroom or wherever it might be. What would you say would be your top tips? So top tips: uh, self educate. So get to know your body. Um, explore touching all over your body. Even starting with something really as basic as moisturising. You know, just understand your body a bit better. Kind of. Give yourself the time and the attention. Treat your body in the way you would like it to be treated by someone else. And explore what kind of touch feels good for you. You know, this can lead into masturbation. Obviously, don't use any kind of moisturizers on your genitals. But um, you we only use lubricant, I personally really recommend the Yes Organics range. They're brilliant. They are all natural, um, all organic, no kind of scented or of flavored or anything like that um what about coconut oil for lube. have you heard about that some people use that i mean i personally just can't advocate yes organics enough because they are designed purely and we you know with the idea that the vagina is ph balance and holding all of that in mind um i think that you know get to know your body there are some also brilliant sex toys out there especially for beginners um you know if people kind of are interested in exploring that but don't know where to start um there are some great brands i'm actually the uk sex expert for lilo who are a really great um kind of more high-end sex toy brand um and but the important thing is working out what feels good for you kind of in a relaxed way without the pressure if you know what feels good for you you can better communicate that to a partner as well Um, but self-education on a physical level but also on a kind of thought level and a psychology level so listen to podcasts read books listen to ted talks audiobooks see what people are saying read articles because you will notice that something's trying with you and some things really don't Mm. fit and i think that when we don't have that much information and education about sex we need to start filling in that picture in a useful helpful you know correct information based Mm. way absolutely for me it's about allowing sex just to kind of be in your everyday space kind of allowing it to be there and you're on the tube listening to a podcast about sex and you're like, okay, well I'm just going to work and it can be here so it's about desensitising and becoming comfortable with it as a subject
0: Yeah, totally, which we've spoken loads about mm. and I feel like there's a really, really important thing for everyone to be... That's the whole point of this podcast yeah, right? exactly <laughs> Oh, Kate, well, thank you so much for your time and thank you for sharing all of your wisdom with us. It's been such a pleasure talking to you, so thank you. Thank you. I feel as though we only really touched the surface there and that there is so much more to cover, so I really hope to get Kate back on for season three. But thank you so much for listening and I hope that you enjoyed the episode. If you want to find out more about Kate, then follow her on her Instagram at Kate Moyle therapy, or you can check out her website, www.katemoyle.co.uk. As always, I would be beyond grateful if you could hit subscribe and if you did enjoy what you heard, then please leave a review and give it a rate because it really, really helps to get the podcast out there. Thank you and until next week, stay balanced.